This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. In a word of warning, this is our annual Halloween episode, and it gets grim. A man walked home from work through a graveyard. It was late, and it had been a long day. The man was a verger, a layperson who helped the ministers perform their ceremonies in the dark stone church that loomed beyond the cemetery wall. He would light candles for holiday services. He would draw the water with which babies would be anointed and brought into the light of the Lord. And he'd help bear the coffins of the dead parishioners, as he had that day. It was a particularly hard one for the man, because the woman who died was young, the only daughter of the man who owned the ironworks that groaned and smoldered on the other side of town. And she was pretty, and she was pregnant. And they buried her in the ground in the late afternoon as the spire cast a long shadow across the churchyard. And that night, as he wove his way home through the headstones, the man thought he heard a ghost crying in the darkness. A girl's voice calling for her mother, for God, for someone to help her. And the man started running, and he didn't stop until he was home in his bed, with his head under the covers, terrified and praying for sleep. The next morning at work, the man told the minister about the ghost, because the minister should know about a ghost in his graveyard. And the minister ran, shouting for the groundskeeper, grabbing a shovel. And they dug the coffin up and they cracked it open. And they found the pretty young woman, her clothes ripped, her fingers bloodied, the nails torn off and embedded in the scratch marks she'd made inside the wooden casket. And they found the baby she had born right there in the coffin after she'd awoken to find that she'd been buried alive. Neither mother nor child survived. That's a true story and one that people read often in the 18th and 19th century. One that kept them up at night. One of dozens of true stories of people accidentally being buried alive. This is what scared them. To have some doctor pronounce them dead when they were not. And then to wake up in a pine box six feet below the ground. To claw at boards until the oxygen ran out. Or the dirt came in. Like in the story they read about the butcher in London who was interred when his heartbeat had grown too faint to hear, but whose cries were heard from beneath the ground, though not in time. He died just before his family managed to dig him up again. He'd shattered his skull trying to smash his way through the casket. Or the story about the man who had buried his young wife, only to be approached after the funeral by a mourner whom he had never met, and said she'd been there one day when the girl was taken by a seizure, and everyone was sure she'd died until she sat up in bed. And they'd read how, upon hearing this, the man ran to the cemetery and demanded that his wife be exhumed. And they read that he'd found her dead. But from fresh wounds, she'd torn out her hair and gnawed off two of her fingers in the confusion and panic that comes from finding yourself in a box in the dark, in the ground. And so they were afraid. And the fears of these readers were justified This actually happened to people, kind of a lot. Studies from 19th century doctors and alienists and anecdotes from grave diggers and funeral home operators suggest that somewhere between two and 10% of dead bodies back then weren't actually dead. Doctors just didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have EKGs or EEGs. 
They didn't know what a coma looked like, or a seizure, a reversible vegetative state, or an opium stupor. And so they made mistakes. And so people got buried alive. And people went to great lengths to make sure they wouldn't be. They placed crowbars inside coffins, bells to ring, bread to eat. They invented caskets with ventilation, with linings of silk and soft fur, crude motion-detecting devices, door handles on the inside, escape hatches. Some people put special instructions in their wills. They wanted to have the soles of their feet cut after they'd been declared dead, or have a needle stuck between their ribs. They wanted their hands to be put over a flame. They wanted to give their body one last chance to prove that it wasn't yet a corpse. Because who wouldn't be afraid of being buried alive? And who wouldn't be afraid of burying someone else alive? For all of the horror of being the person in the box, suddenly recovered, suddenly awoken, not dead yet, on their back with no room and no light and no air and no way out. For all the horror of being the wife whose seizure was mistaken for death, there is the horror of being the bereaved husband who opens the box and suffers anew. For all the horror of calling out to your family from beneath the dirt, there is the horror of digging through the dirt only to find you're too late. One last story. A girl got diphtheria in 1852 in South Carolina. Her parents and her brother were devastated, but they knew they must move quickly and dispose of her small body before they themselves got the disease. And so they laid her to rest in a concrete sarcophagus. And they locked her up inside the old family mausoleum. And they tried to move on. Ten years later, the girl's brother dies in the Civil War. And his parents build another sarcophagus for another beloved child. And they open the door to the tomb to lay their son beside their daughter. And they find the first coffin open and a skeleton on the floor, collapsed beside the locked door. <laughs>